Friedrich Bonhoeffer had a front row seat to the horrors taking place in Nazi Germany. And from that vantage, he penned a challenge that reverberates to us today. He said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. We at Mass Impact recognize our call to not simply pray thy kingdom come, but to be instruments of God's answer. That includes in the political, cultural, social, economic landscape. We have to be attuned. In the following Kingdom Update, CPA lawyer, wealth manager Jeff Barefoot addresses the question of what happened in this recent midterm election. Join us at MassImpact.us, and in particular, this time of year, we are very grateful for your financial partnership. Click on that Partner tab. Now on with our Kingdom Update. Let's look at what happened. We were expecting a massive wave turnover, and historically, from Harry Truman um, through this election, If you look at every president's first term, his second year, in other words, his first midterm, if any of them are below an approval rating of um, 50%, they have massive losses in the House and Senate. Just by way of parallel in um, Bill Clinton's first midterm, he he was uh, at an approval rating of 45, and that was the 94 takeover They lost something like 75 seats in the House and six in the Senate. Barack Obama, in his second year, first midterm, was at 48, and the results were similar. It was a complete wipeout. Donald Trump, in his first midterm, was at a 45% approval rate, and they miraculously held on to the Senate, but lost the House. Joe Biden's Um, approval rating on the Monday before the election was at 40. The the only one that was ever lower than that was Harry Truman. So it should have been a wipeout, and obviously it wasn't. They held the Senate, and instead of the somewhere between 30 and 70 seat gain that was expected, they're up, they've got the House, but they've got it like 20. So it it wasn't what anybody expected. But let's look at Florida, and then we really want to talk about Ohio, because this is where we live. Florida was locked in, and their votes were announced by 10 o'clock. So they know how to run an election because of what they went through with Al Gore in the 2000 election. What was significant about Florida was not only the size and the massive amount of win for Governor DeSantis and um, Senator Rubio, but it was at Miami-Dade and Boward County. So that's Miami north into Fort Lauderdale. My son just moved back from Perrysburg after living in Fort Lauderdale for a couple years. Those two counties have been notoriously red or blue by a huge margin, bigger than the national average margin, and they flipped red. So here we see a situation where in a very popular red state, what we were expecting to happen happened, and we were expecting that to come across the entire country. And then you move into Ohio, and Ohio also had its results announced by 1030. What's interesting about Ohio is traditionally all those major metropolitan counties uh, where Dayton is, Montgomery County, 
uh, Cincinnati, uh, Hamilton County, Franklin County, Cuyahoga County, Summit County, Lucas County, and Athens, where Ohio University is, are traditionally very, very blue. Well, they only got four counties this year that went blue. Every other county in Ohio was red. Um, what's most significant is J.D. Vance's win was not unexpected. What the nation is saying, look how strong Governor DeWine was. But DeWine's election wasn't an approval of DeWine. It was understanding that he was running against the lesbian mayor from Dayton, and she was just totally unacceptable to people in Ohio. Ohio is a very conservative state. When you look back on the DeWine administration and how the lockdown was handled and how he, how he hired Amy Acton, who had been a Barack Obama operative, which he knew at the time that he hired her. And he told us in the pro-life that we would love her and he never mentioned her background and when we saw what happened, he had to finally you know, get rid of her. So that's a little bit of an anomaly, but Ohio is now no longer a purple state. It's not a swing state, it's locked in. I think there's two interesting things. Rubio, um, Governor DeSantis, and J.D. Vance are all Catholic. J.D. Vance, a convert to the Catholic faith. You have three national leaders out of the two right now, Ohio and Florida, are the two strongest red states west of the east of the Mississippi. I think this is very significant. The, the conversation has been that the wave that didn't occur was because of abortion, because people were mad that the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Um, well, if you have a, a brain in your head, you realize that all that case did was send Roe to send the decision back to the states. So let's take this apart. If you go into Michigan, um, their constitutional amendment to allow abortion was passed heartily. But Michigan had already been much more liberal on abortion than Ohio has ever been. That bill is of the devil. It, it doesn't just enshrine a right for um, abortion. It, is, it enshrines a right for abortion very all the way through the pregnancy without the approval of the parents. But it also sets up approval for transgender surgeries without the input of the parents. It is demonic. Most of the people in Michigan didn't even know what they were voting for. You come across the border to Ohio, and if abortion was such a huge issue, then how did Governor DeWine, who signed the heartbeat bill, and uh, J.R. Vance, who is strongly pro-life and anti-abortion, how did he win if Ohio voters were anti-Roe. Um, it's not true. What you look at is in the states, what really is this turned out as you go um, west, what's turned out is that it was an election of incumbency. So where the Reds were expecting to, to do very well and they didn't, it was in states where the Democrats already were the incumbent. Likewise, where 
the Democrats had thought they would hold on or take out a red. It was where the reds were already dominant. There's one great exception, though, also to look at Long Island, which has always been a bedroom community of New York and always very, very blue, very Democrat, and traditionally very um, pro-abortion. Every one of the congressional seats on Long Island, of which there are four, flipped from Democrat to Republican. So we see these anomalies. We can't quite figure all of them out yet. It's going to take another month or two to break it, break it down into the precincts. But what we're beginning to see in Ohio now, I'm going to make a bold statement about Michigan. You just watch and see what's going to happen to Michigan. You watch in the next five years what's going to happen to the economy and the business and the culture in that state. This is going to be a disaster. I'll give you another example of problems where people turn against God. And it was right here in our community with ProMedica. When the original capital care clinic lost its license by a judgment of the Ohio Supreme Court because they didn't have a transfer agreement, the Ohio Department of Health, who was the plaintiff on that case, turned around six weeks after the Supreme Court decision and gave that abortion center a new license. Think about that. On behalf of the people of Ohio, the Ohio Department of Health battled them in the courts for three years all the way to the Supreme Court. They won. Then they applied for another license and they got it. It just It's crazy. How did they get it? They got it by going to ProMedica and getting a transfer agreement from ProMedica. We wrote a scathing letter to Randy Ostra, the CEO of ProMedica. Anybody work for ProMedica? We knew three people who resigned from ProMedica because Randy Oster, with letters telling him there were over 3,000 of his constituents that were opposed to this, he signed the transfer agreement. Fast forward four years later. ProMedica's bonds were just de downgraded to junk. They are in serious financial jeopardy, bordering on insolvency. And on Friday, Randy Ulster stepped down as CEO with one day notice. I see this all the time. We in Ohio are about ready. We're getting very close to institute a constitutional right amendment to ban abortion in Ohio. We would be the first state in the country to do that. If we do it, it will be next year. It'll be in 2023. And the reason it has to be in 2023 is because by 2024, that will be a huge election with a massive turnout. We don't know who the Republican nominee is going to be, but it will be a massive turnout. And I've got one more thing to say, Greg, if I may. So if we bring it in 2023, we know our people will get out and vote and we may have a chance. Now, if people would say, why would you push it? Because Planned Parenthood would bring all their money and all their power against you. The outcome of the battle is not ours. Our duty is to fight. And the outcome of the battle is the Lord's. And if, in order to fight and to enter into any argument, you have to be willing to accept the consequences of losing. If you're not ready to go into the fight, uh, fighting to win, 
but willing to die on the hill and accept the consequences of losing, then the enemy has already won because he's taken away your courage. And so please pray for that. We'll be making, all the pro-life leaders in Ohio will be making decisions about that very soon. This Kingdom Update has been brought to you by Mass Impact. We're about families discovering, proclaiming, living, and building the kingdom. We invite you to join us at massimpact.us. And particularly this time of year, are very grateful for your prayers and financial partnership. Please click on that partner tab. Until next time, God bless you.